0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach. And we've got something special lined up today, so I'm going to just hand it over to you, David. Thanks, Nathan. Um, So today, this show is for everybody. And it's especially for business owners who've been scratching their heads and trying to figure out what is this copywriting thing? And what am I doing wrong with my advertising? And why am I not getting any new customers? Or even why is everything working well, but how can I make it work better? And we've got a special guest. We're going to focus in on copywriting for business owners today. This will be of great interest to copywriters as well because if you think about it, who do copywriters, freelancers, who do they write for? Business owners! So it, it all fits. We we have a special guest, Debbie Owen. Deborah Owen is a copywriter. She's a two-time best-selling author. She's an award-winning podcaster, book launch strategist, and she has clients like Todd Brown and Scott Oldford and Shaw Westman, Bo Easton. Debbie's the only copywriter who brings years of research know-how as a librarian and combines it with what she learned from several top brain trainers, including one of the stars of the hit movie, The Secret. So she really knows how to get inside your client's heads and psychology of selling. And she's going to share that with us today with you, the listener. So Debbie, welcome.
1: Hey, Great to be with both of you, Nathan and David. Thank you so much.
0: Cool. So, um, you know, before we get into this, I would like to find out a little bit more about you. I'm curious, how did you make it from the world of library science into the world of copywriting? It it seems like quite a leap.
1: Um, To some extent. uh, On the other hand, what I did primarily as a school library teacher was I taught teenagers how to do research. Um, So if you think your day job is hard. (laughs) 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 Um, So yeah, I was teaching kids how to do research. And that was when I really got introduced to the whole online world because we were doing, you know, um, library databases and I started using all kinds of applications in order to make things easier for the students. And I, I wrote a book about, it's called uh, social media fascination about how I felt we should be teaching kids to use social media well, instead of just blocking it in schools. Um, so there is, there is definitely crossover. The, the short version of what happened was, um, I was ready to do something different. I, uh, I guess the entrepreneurial bug had hit, and I ended up going into um, coaching, working as a parenting coach um, and a youth mindset coach. And you know, I didn't feel actually like I I was struggling with my marketing, to be perfectly frank. And uh, got onto some lists and started learning about marketing. Long story short, I ended up um, taking a job working for Todd Brown, kind of channeling Todd's brilliance into blog articles and emails and things like that. And um, do you think I learned a little bit about marketing from Todd? I sure oh, did. Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: um, so, uh, and what happened was people started asking me to write stuff for them. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk about today is you, you, you find a hungry crowd and you solve their problem for them. And I had a lot more people who wanted me to write stuff for them that, than to help them solve their problems with their kids. So um, that's, where, that's how I ended up. Long story short, that's how I ended up in copywriting.
0: So the future of America's youth got sacrificed for better marketing. Oh well, these things happen. <laughs> yeah, that, seriously, that's great. That's a great yeah. story. And mm-hmm. let's um let's get into this because sure. I know uh you you have firsthand real world data market experience that people want this information. So mm-hmm. let's let's address this to you know, any business owner, an online business owner, an info business owner, a uh, a retailer, a, a professional services from there, it could be all kinds of things. What's the most important thing a business owner should start with when they think about writing copy for a sales page? The,
1: the three pieces and I think I first heard this from, from Brian Kurtz, but I know I've heard it from other people too. I mean, the three, the three pieces that you have to think about are list, offer, and finally, copy. And um, you know it's 40, 40 and 20. And yet, that last twenty is really important. That's why we're here, right? We're talking about copywriting Mm because that's gonna the final piece that's gonna make the sale. But you have to start with your list. Um, You have to understand that um, if you've got people who are actually on your list, they're a warm audience because
0: what's a list?
1: List. Okay, start right at the beginning. So you start out with cold traffic. Probably that means people who are not aware of you already, and um, you offer them something. Cold traffic.
0: You mean like. Going to Minnesota when it's freezing mm-hmm. and, and you get the cars going down the street.
1: People who are not aware of you already and that okay. fact that you can help them solve a problem. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's uh that, that would be what we call cold traffic. Okay. Um, but Minnesota is a good place to go to. I have a friend in Minnesota. <laughs> I have a friend um, from Minnesota. There you <laughs> go. There a you go. Place to
0: be from. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So you start out by identifying people who don't know that you exist, but they have a problem. Um or maybe you find people who uh you know if you're getting into coaching or if you're new in a in a community as a business owner and maybe you do have some friends and that would be what we call warm traffic- people who know you exist and who who know that you have a solution to a particular problem okay. but um yeah yeah
0: okay and so you've you 've got these three things now how do they all fit together your your list and then and what's and want to talk about the offer from your point of view and And how those two things sort of, I'm assuming the way you're going is those are going to need to line up with or your copy needs to line up with those two things. Yeah,
1: right, right. Absolutely. So you've got people who, um, who now know that you exist. That's your list. You know, know, that what we were just calling a warm, the warm audience or the warm traffic. Um, and you identify what their problem is. That's really the most important piece of this is what's a problem they have that you can solve. You go back to my own story. I had people who had a problem with getting some writing done, whether it was content writing or copywriting. And I knew I could solve that problem for them because I'd been doing so much writing in so many different avenues and areas. And so you offer them a solution to a particular problem. That's your offer. Um, okay. But you have to make the right offer to the right audience. You know, you have to find out what are, what are they looking for? Um, you know, for instance, if, um, if you've got people who've just left a fancy restaurant in Chicago and all you have to offer is hot dogs, they're probably not going to be interested in that offer. On the other hand, if you meet a group of uh, uh, high school football guys who've just left practice and you're standing on the corner with a a hot dog stand, you're probably going to sell a whole ton of hot dogs. So making your offer match exactly who your target audience is, is really important.
0: Okay. And then from your point of view, where does copy come into that whole equation?
1: Well, that's that's the final piece of it. You know, once you've, you're sure you've got the right audience with the right problem and the right offer to solve that problem, then you need to capture their attention. First, you're going to capture it toward you. You say, hey, look over here. <laughs> and then you direct the attention to themselves. You, and you say, have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt hungry? You know, I have hot dogs to sell to you or something like that. And,
0: right, and and what you're saying is a lot of business owners, especially start with the copy if they right. even start with copy at all. They don't think about who am I trying to reach and what's an offer I can make that would meet a need they have solve a problem
1: exactly uh,
0: or or in the desire okay that's that's great yeah. um, so many business owners try to write copy. And I'm I, I'm going to have a hard time playing dumb on this one because this is
1: a <laughs> I'm hot, <sure> you are. <laughs> hot
0: button of mine. But I I will let you do the talking. Many business owners try and write copy that creates a desire mm-hmm. for a product or service. Um, you know, I remember there was a guy who worked for a big ad agency, and he was part of this um, group I no longer belong to called the National Speakers Association, mm-hmm. and. For some reason, he wasn't thinking too clearly or he's too busy, and he, he went down to an airport hotel, and I guess he had a station wagon or an SUV or a crossover or a minivan or something, and, and he had all these Christmas gifts sitting in his back, back seat, exposed, and then he went into the meeting. When he came out of the meeting, the, the glass was broken and all the gifts were stolen, and i said you know the name of that story is the advertising man who created too much desire mm. but i i think in in reality you don't create desire is is what you're you're going to tell us is that true
1: yeah you can't create desire people already want something um and to try to convince people that they want something is is a losing game um, so we're not in a convincing game. We're trying to identify what their desires are and then help them identify what they really want and point out the problems. Okay. You know, what's so, going so to happen. problem? Could,
0: would you happen to have an example of someone who's doing this right and someone who tried to do this, but did it wrong and, and maybe they changed Do you have any well, clients or any, yeah.
1: So let's, let's say, I mean, this happens a lot, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of business people that I hear are talking about, you know, earn earn money effortlessly. I mean, that's something that we hear all the time. Earn money effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what's the real desire behind that? The desire is that they don't want to have to work too hard. They want to be able to spend more time with their family, or travel the world, or or have more time for nonprofits, or whatever whatever their passion might be. And so, um, here's another example. Let's say uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, you can lose weight, or you can have great health." You know these are these are desires that people have, um, but if you get down to what they're really looking for, they they maybe they really just want to you know if it depends on your audience. If you're talking to fifty somethings or sixty somethings, maybe they just want to live long enough to see their grandchildren get married, or maybe they want to be able to leave a legacy for their family or something. I mean, that's sure. that's what's at the core of the desire to lose weight and oh, have. Okay,
0: but do you do you have an example of a, a business owner? Who's still in business <laughs> and that would be hard to find, who's trying to create a desire that didn't exist. I mean, that, that, because that's what we yeah. see all the time. But unfortunately, those people don't stick around. The, right. I think, you know, we, we recently, uh, just, just this week, we released it. It was a podcast called The Greatest Marketing Mistake of All. And it's about trying to sell people uh, what you think they need, which right. is trying to, create a desire rather than selling them what they already want which is what you're suggesting which is i agree with a hundred percent
1: right <laughs> right right right. and then the question is you have to figure out you know what how much do they know about what they're looking for i mean that's that's the other piece of it i mean how many people can point to a guy in particular let's let's I mean, it happens to women sometimes too but for can point to a guy and say you know you have a problem with with stress, or you have a problem with your your weight, or your eating, or whatever. And he is oblivious, or he doesn't want to go see the doctor. And everybody around him knows that there's a problem, and he's just kind of unaware. And so that gets into the whole area of being a uh, as a, as as you write copy for your business, understanding what their level of awareness is of their problem.
0: Sure. So, could could you give a few examples of very aware and not aware, and maybe someone's not aware? How do you bring them to the kind of awareness they need in order to buy something?
1: Right, right. And I know Nathan recently, um, you had a um, a Ray Edwards kind of uh, acrostic. I can't remember now what it was, but the different levels of awareness. Um, but uh, is that same kind of thing? You know, starting out with people who are completely unaware. They don't know they they have a problem and they're the hardest to sell to. It's not usually worth the time or energy. Like here's an example. You know, if you're a dog owner and your dog barks a lot, but you live in the middle of the woods and you don't have any neighbors, you don't really have a problem and you're not really interested in solving that problem. Whereas if you kind of go up a level to level two, where you become problem aware, they know they have a problem. So um, maybe you're the dog owner and your dog barks and he keeps waking up the baby. So now you know you have a problem, but you don't really know what to do about it. So that's, that's being problem aware. And, and in this case, as the business owner, at that point, they'll often be willing to give up their email address for a very short lead magnet that confirms that they have a problem so they know they aren't crazy. Um, maybe something that offers some hope that will help them solve it. And um, ideally, you want to give them a solution for one small part of a bigger problem in that lead magnet. And that's all about just opening a relationship and not trying to sell them anything yet because they don't know like and trust you.
0: Okay, so yeah. are are you saying that um, when someone doesn't have a lot of awareness of the problem or maybe a lot of awareness of the business putting up a lead magnet is a good way to to develop the relationship and to uh, also develop the prospects awareness of of
1: right when- um, well, they're, they're usually, they're usually aware. Like, you know, in the example, it's the, the baby keeps waking up because the dog is barking. I mean, they're aware that mm-hmm. they've got a barking dog problem.
0: Right. Um,
1: and they're beginning to think maybe I should do something about this so that I can get some sleep.
0: <laughs> 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 you know,
1: it's, it's starting to cause a little bit of a problem in their own lives. So then that would go to the the next level, which is this: they're aware that there's solutions out there. They're starting to actively look for a, solution. Maybe this dog owner has been checking out um, you know, local dog training programs as well as online training programs. Um, they're starting to evaluate what might be the best answer. And in this case, maybe you know, if they've given you their email address prior to this, then you start to nurture the relationship and you give them a little bit more information to read. They're ready to spend a little bit more time and energy to learn more about how to solve that problem.
0: So what would be an example of a lead magnet in this situation?
1: Well, I would say for the dog owner and the, the dog training company, it would, I would say a video for sure. You know, maybe it's a, a video that shows how you've trained another dog not to bark. Or maybe it's a, do- a video that shows how you've trained another dog to go to their mat during dinner. Or, you know, any, any kind of related problem that begins to develop your prospect's ability to trust you as an authority.
0: Okay. That's good. Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leaves you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. I I think we're real clear up to this point on what to do. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about what not to do. What are some typical sales page copy mistakes you see business owners, owners making when they write their own copy?
1: Well, let's see. Um, once one example is trying to sell in the headline, that can be too much too soon.
0: So could you give me an example of that?
1: Sure. So let's say somebody is, uh, let's say somebody's, the, the, instead of just saying, you you know, attention, so-and-so, you know, attention, women in their fifties who are trying to lose weight and get back to um, being that 30 something mom that that was exciting for you and your husband, you know, they start to immediately sell the solution they start to say hey come to our 30-day program and lose weight and they're mm-hmm. automatically selling the solution instead of just capturing attention in the headline it's most okay. important to just capture attention in the headline than to try to sell the solution
0: okay so not not too much too soon i got it okay right. what, what are some other sales page mistakes you see business owners make
1: um, a big one is trying to sell to everyone. You know, I talk to coaches a lot and they do, they try to do this a lot. So here's, here's an example. And instead of being a business coach to all women entrepreneurs, you can try being a business coach to minority women who live in Chicago, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, cause that group of people is obviously going to have specific issues that other people in that broader audience, just they're not going to have and when you can demonstrate that you know how to address those specific issues you become the only person that they're going to turn to
0: yeah the the mistake of being trying to be all things to all people um i don't know who said it first but i really like the saying when your market is everyone your market is no one exactly uh, so that that's a really good one what else
1: yeah yeah um how about um trying to sell a solution before you help them even see that they have a problem. And it's kind of similar to what we were talking about. Before. Um, but for instance, if your target audience lacks confidence at work, um, what you might want to do is illustrate what it looks like, then describe maybe a few habits of mind that would help them solve the problem, give examples of other people who've solved it, and then finally get to your offer about that solution that you have that can solve that problem.
0: Okay, good. Um, are, there, are there other key, maybe two or three more key mistakes can you think of? I remember when we were talking about this before, yeah. you said you had quite a list of them. Yeah. I'm sure people would like to know because, again, this episode is, is not for the advanced copywriter, although it's always good to review. Uh, hmm. It's for a business owner who's just, you know, trying to make sense of this whole new world of, of online copywriting.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I've got one or two more here. Um, how about not building up enough trust? And this can come from a whole lot of things. One, one thing is, is the kind of the subconscious lack of trust that comes from not being congruent, say, from your ad to your landing page to your website. Okay, um, what do you mean
0: by congruent?
1: Yep. So the colors should be the same. The images mm-hmm. should be the same. The messaging should be the same. Um, because if it if you start out with an ad that's all yellow and orange, and it takes them to a landing page that's all blue and green, they wonder did I did I end up in the same place? Is this is this addressing the same issue?
0: No, you, you know you know what you're right, and I know a lot of old school copywriters would say that stuff doesn't matter, but you know, if you're going to McDonald's and it is golden arches and, and the red color. And then when one day you show up and those golden arches are silver and the red is orange, you're not going to feel comfortable. You might no. not even know why yeah. uh, depending on how visually aware you are. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The consistency of, of the non-copy things is going to make a big difference. Absolutely.
1: Right? And, okay. and going along with that and building trust, um, is, uh, giving enough credibility for your product I mean if you don't have um, some testimonials or some you know any kind of proof elements or some other ways to demonstrate that what you're what you've done is unless you stayed up front you know this is a beta product and we're we're looking for people to help us mm-hmm. create um, you know create some testimonials but generally speaking you got to start that's why we all read reviews on Amazon right we all want to we all want to know that there's uh, credibility behind the book or the item that we're about to buy.
0: Absolutely. You know, one thing I've found Debbie is that's an area where a lot of people, and unless maybe they're trained in science or God forbid the law, um, they're not very good at proof. Um, yeah. they don't even understand the idea very well. You know, a lot of people sort of get testimonials, but they'll just throw them up like spaghetti against the wall. And I'm using the polite word when I say spaghetti here. Um, (laughs) Although I don't have to, but might as well. Um, And and yet, do you ever work with people on this issue? I I know you also work with people on book launches and Mm -hmm. probably do all kinds of things. Um, Mm -hmm. You you seem sort of like me, shiny object. Oh, I can help that person do this. Oh, I can help it. So... uh, is there anything you tell people to make it easier? I mean, I, I think it's great that, that you were a teacher, a library science teacher or a library teacher, research library teacher. What was it? A research library teacher?
1: Well, the official title is School Library Teacher and I Would Teach Kids Research. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I think it's great because often when you have to teach adult business owner stuff, you have to take things back to more of a, a high school level. Mm-hmm. in a way, you know, mm-hmm. because you're, you're having to start at some very fundamentals. <clears throat> Have you found any interesting ways of, of getting people to understand what they need to do regarding research?
1: That's a good question. And I think that...
0: I don't mean research. I mean proof.
1: Oh, proof, proof, proof. Okay, okay. Uh, with regard to proof, I think that people, when you, when you demonstrate that people themselves look for proof... And you say, what is it you're looking for? When you go to... When you're reading some uh, reviews on Amazon or reviews on a website, because you're going to buy a tent or you're going to buy a course or you're going to buy this, what is it you're looking for? Well, I'm looking for people who demonstrate real results. You know, lots of times we'll see... Lots of times we'll see these events, right? And people are asked to go and make a video testimonial at an event. And they're there at the event and they say, oh, this event is so great. I j- made all these connections. I know I'm going to go home and make $100,000 from all these connections. But there's, that's not proof as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's only proof that I was at the event and I drank the Kool-Aid.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly.
0: And, and hopefully I'll still be alive tomorrow. <laughs>
1: But if they were to come back and ask people, you know, three, six months down the road, you know, that event that you went to, can you give us a short video testimonial? And then people can say, oh yeah, you know, I met three people and I developed three new partnerships. And because of that, I was able to make eight hundred and seventy thirty thousand dollars in the next six months. I mean, that's, that's proof.
0: That's proof. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I really appreciate that because, um, I'm asking, well, for selfish reasons because i sometimes have trouble getting this across to people as Mm -hmm. effectively as i could and and secondly i think a lot of people listening to this call can benefit from from understanding what you just said
1: right right and and i guess it just comes down to asking yourself when i'm looking for proof what am i looking for kind of make Mm -hmm. a list of those things and then make sure that you've got those in your proof elements as well
0: Right. I mean, I've been watching a lot of TV news and you know, the lawyers are talking about the FBI rules and the Justice Department rules. And that's great for court, but in in real life people have maybe different things that they're looking for. And I never mm-hmm. hear anyone talking too much about that. So I'm really glad you did. Thank
1: yeah, you. yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay.
0: Well, I think we're about out of time. Um we're gonna wrap this up. But how do people get a hold of you? If they like to hire you or like to coaching, or get you to yeah. write for them. Where, where yeah, do they yeah. go?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, my website is deborahcowan. dot Deborah Owen was taken, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Deborah deborahcowan. d e b o r a h c o w e n. dot com, and that's uh, that's where my website is. And I'd love to catch up with people there.
0: Okay, that's great. Oh, and, and you have. An award winning podcast, and you interviewed me on it last week. So I, did. I um, did. How do people find that one?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. called Copywriting for Sales Pages. And uh, we've got some fabulous interviews, including David. And um, I would love to have people meet with me there too. And, uh, you know, let me know what you think. And if you have questions that you want me to address in future shows, let me know. I would love to be able to do that for you.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Nathan. I guess we're ready to wrap up for this week. Awesome. Well, thank you, Deborah. I really appreciate you coming on. And remember, check out more of this podcast over at the Copywriters Podcast website, which is copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode.